Welcome to No Sanity Required. I want to talk to you today about your purpose in life. Man, that sounds like the next Joel Osteen book. Stay tuned. It's going to be good. Welcome to No Sanity Required from the Ministry of Snowbird Wilderness Outfitters, a podcast about the Bible, culture, and stories from around the globe. Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in. I want to talk to you today about uh, the way that God prepares us for things that we don't even know he's preparing us for. So, um, and I want, to, I, want to use the, I want to use the story of Snowbird Outfitters, and I want to use two individual stories, um, my personal story, and then that of my father-in-law, who many people know as the Big Kahuna. His name's Steve Coleman, and He's, uh, he and I founded and started Snowbird together. And I say that because we were here together at the same time from the beginning. But I'll say this, it would have never gotten off the ground without that man's investment in leadership. He, we, Snowbird and, and I am, we are forever indebted to that man's faithfulness and obedience. He's, he, he was so faithful. And, uh, and so I want to talk a little bit about um, our story um, together where the two of us come together. So my father-in-law, um, and, and l- l- one more sort of, um, description of wh- where we're going with this, our lives separately. And then as they merge together, it's, it's very interesting and really cool to see how God was taking both of us through various series of events that prepared us for what would happen when we got to snowbird, like that would prepare us to to as a team build snowbird wilderness outfitters and it's just awesome man we're in the middle of writing a book right now called no sanity required and uh, i think i've mentioned that on here before and this will be actually part of one of the chapters in the book it'll be a main chapter in the book but um so let me walk you through um kind of his journey so my father-in-law steve coleman aka the big kahuna uh he didn't come to faith in jesus till he was in his 20s and at the time he was uh he was in real estate in land development. So he was in the Atlanta area. He was, uh, he was developing land. He was building custom homes. He was making good money, making a good living and was very successful at it. And in that line of work, you know, he, his, his natural then, or, or the skill set that he developed was with land development, everything from, from, um, top, uh, topologically, like what it looks like to develop land, um, in terms of earth moving, um, things like, uh, um, perk and septic and water and like all, all of that that goes into that, like road frontage, like infrastructure development. So for instance, you want to go in and develop uh, a neighborhood or a subdivision, right? And there's a street and there's 12 lots and you're going to develop those lots. There's, there's sort of an overall plan to that. And so that's what his background was in. And, uh, and then God called him out of that um, to be a youth pastor at a church that many people will be familiar with. The church is called First Baptist Church, Woodstock, Georgia. And the church was a hundred-year-old church that was a couple hundred people, and they had just called a new pastor, and it was a man named Johnny Hunt, who many of you know. And Johnny's a, an incredible person and a leader in the evangelical world, has been president of the Southern Baptist uh, what do you call it? Southern Baptist, not denomination convention, Southern Baptist convention, which is like the Southern Baptists are like the largest, uh, evangelical denomination in America, like 17, 16, 17, 18 million people, something like that. 
And so he's the president of that. And so, but when, when he became pastor of that church, um, Kahuna, the big Kahuna, Steve Coleman started going to church there. And at the time my wife was, uh, was just a, uh, a young kid. She was maybe, I think she was like, say, say 14, 15 years old. So, so Kahuna became a Christian when he's like 26 over the next about six, seven years. He continues doing land development, custom home building in the North Fulton County, Atlanta area and, uh, and, and builds some really nice stuff and makes some good money. And then walks away from that career to become a youth pastor, um, because they start attending first Baptist church Woodstock and Johnny Hunt says, man, I need a youth pastor, but I want somebody with real world experience that love kids has a loves kids has a dynamic personality, but, and it's got some, like some age. He's not, he's not a young guy, just first ministry stop, but has some life experience. And so, uh, my father-in-law was in like his mid thirties. And so mid thirties, uh, maybe late thirties and steps in for the first time in student ministry. So his resume goes from real estate and land development and custom home building to youth ministry. Okay. So youth ministry and isn't, and becomes a youth pastor that gets added to his um, resume. Now that church grows exponentially. It goes from a couple hundred people to a couple thousand people. And in that, in the time of that growth, um, the big kahuna saw the student ministry grow from 20 or 30 people, maybe 20 to several hundred. And so major, you know, thousand percent growth in the church thousand percent growth in the student ministry and all the hurdles that came with that um in terms of like uh what do you call it like administratively and planning and then just like how develop like leadership development like developing leaders like when you got 20 kids you can you can pretty much manage that with one or two volunteers you've got two or three hundred kids now you need a team of volunteers that are getting involved and helping out and so i do that and and, uh, and, and the ministry grew like crazy and, and he grew as a person. And so did that for several years. And then there was a, a gentleman that he was friends with, um, a guy named Robin Burris and Robin Burris had, was a, was a businessman who owned a large manufacturing facility in, uh, I think in the Marietta part of that, uh, Metro Atlanta area. It's called tip top poultry. And Tip Top Poultry is a big uh, chicken manufacturing facility. They sell chicken to all kinds of big companies that you would have heard of, you would be familiar with. And so it was a chicken processing facility, so they buy chickens from chicken farms. And North Georgia is big chicken farming country. So you drive through the rural backcountry of North Georgia, and you'll see lots of chicken farms. So they're they're buying chickens. They're processing those chickens, packaging those chickens. And when you go to the grocery store, you go to Publix or Kroger or Piggly Wiggly, the Wind Dixie, Ingalls, wherever you go buy your chicken. And you buy chicken um, anywhere in the greater Atlanta area, North Georgia, or like, like, like there's a good chance it came from tip-top poultry. And so why in the world would a man who had a real estate and land development and custom home building background and uh, then youth ministry now background, uh, why would he be offered a job at a chicken plant? Well, it's pretty cool. This guy, Robin Burris, is super gospel-minded, and I think there's another lesson to be learned there that would be a fun conversation to have but he was robin burris was um he had i want to say it was like eight or nine hundred employees and the demographic of his employees was they're super diverse racially there was a large hispanic 
population, a large white Caucasian, uh, I mean, uh, population, and then a large African-American population. So within that poultry plant, you had this sort of merging of demographics. And But they, these people came from different neighborhoods, so different housing projects. They were all low income. This is uh, not a high-paying job, but Robin Burris was a very fair employer, and so he was trying to take care of his people. And so he wanted to, he wanted to see to their spiritual needs, so he hired the big kahuna. He hired my father-in-law to come there and to basically be like a chaplain. So it's funny. Uh, Steve would refer to himself often as the chicken chaplain. And because uh, he worked at the chicken poultry plant the, or the poultry plant, the chicken processing plant, and he ministered to low income families. And it's crazy because I remember in those days, um, that was the first when I first met him, that's what he was doing. And then the first couple years we were married, that's what he was doing that little and I were married. And and crazy stories, man. He's like going to court with people for drug charges and and he's like, you know, bailing people out of jail and he's going into the projects and the hood and these in these rough communities where um, life is very different than the life that he lived, but he was, he was on mission. And so in the middle of all that, this is crazy. So now you've got this, this cross sort of this cross section of ministry where he's ministered to teenagers in an affluent upper middle-class white community. And he's ministered to inner city people and he's ministered to immigrants from Central America. And so he's got this real diverse sort of ministry port for, uh, portfolio going on and in all of this he's got this background in construction and land development all right so you should see where we're going with this at this point in the story so there was this this is crazy so this guy robin burris who was his um who was his boss man he was the owner of tip-top poultry comes to him and says hey man we've got to we're developing a new wastewater system that the that we're being required to to implement at our factory and that wastewater system to manage and run it. I don't have anybody here in my maintenance department that I think has the the skill set, the know how, and the capacity to learn how to operate it. So he sends Steve Coleman, the big Kahuna, his boss man sends him to gosh somewhere down in South Georgia, like Albany, Georgia, or somewhere like that. Which, if you're from Albany, Georgia, it's pronounced Albany. If you're from Albany, New York, it's pronounced Albany. But if you're from Georgia, it ain't pronounced Albany. It's pronounced Albany. You know what I'm saying? And so he's from Albany, Georgia, and and I mean, I'm sorry, not from that. He's in Albany, Georgia, taking this. It was like I almost say it was like eight weeks long, and y'all. It was the middle of the summer in South Georgia. You know, it's hot, and he's outside learning how to run this wastewater plant. And it's this massive sewer and septic project that, that he's got to learn how to run. And so he learns how to run it because they're installing one at Tip Top Poultry. He comes back up there and, uh, and, and is able to operate that. Now, so, so fast forward to the start of Snowbird Wilderness Outfitters, okay? Start of Snowbird Wilderness Outfitters. All right, so hit pause. Big Kahuna is working at Tip Top Poultry. There's his resume. He's in his... By this point, he's in his late 40s. All right, now, um, talk a little bit about my journey to that point. So so I had, um, when I was a teenager, I went to this camp with a, with some guys, um, a youth camp, 
It was a teeny tiny little camp in the upstate of South Carolina, and it was like an associational camp for local Baptist churches. I think it was all Baptist churches, and I we went. I went as a guest kind of thing. Went there. It was real podunk. Like for for recreation, they had one basketball goal, like like uh, hung on a telephone pole, and then, this is a true story. And then they had a swimming pool that the boys got to swim one hour a day. And the girls got to swim one hour a day. You had to be separated, and they had, like, uh, the fence around the pool. You couldn't see through it. And so it was like a privacy fence because they didn't want the boys and girls swimming together. Back in old days, it's funny. (laughs) The old days, they called that mixed bathing, which is a funny and weird way to say it. But I guess it comes from the fact you call swimsuit a bathing suit. So anyway, no mixed bathing, no mixed swimming. So boys swam for a while, girls swam for a while, and there'd be about – about a hundred kids at this camp, maybe, and um, uh, you know, teenagers. And so, it, I don't remember much about the camp. I mean, I remember one activity was. I mean, they had us do crafts, and then you did like a talent show, and then there was there was an hour a day of swimming, and then you did like we had like a relay race one day, and like the camp Olympics, which included a softball throw. <laughs> That's a true story. Like, like throw the softball as far as you can and it's like instead of a shot put or whatever. So anyway, pretty podunk, kind of a tra- an old traditional model of camp. But there was a guy at that camp. His name was Dan. And Dan was the camp director. And Dan was super intentional with young people. He was real intentional. Dan would come around to the cabins at night and talk to you and, and cut up with you. And Dan was real cool. Dan was a big burly dude with a big furry beard and he played drums. And so he's here's this dude that's like – you know, to me, he was an old guy. I was a teenager, but he's probably like in his 30s or 40s. To me, he seemed old. You know, I'm, I'm much older now than Dan was in. But he's, you know, he's doing his thing, and he's playing the drums and with the worship team. And, and I remember, I can remember Big Dan playing uh, playing drums while the dude, there's a guy uh, called Beaker, and he played the keyboard. Uh, his name was Michael Beaks. And he, play, I think it was Michael Beeks who played the keyboard. Anyway, it's a guy named Michael Beeks that really invested in me. And he, he went on to become a pastor. And he was like my counselor guy. And he really invested in me, made a relational investment. And they get up there, the band, and you got Dan on the drums. There's actually some other dude on the keyboard. But they're playing, uh, they're playing Van Halen Jump. And I remember I came from a real strict, like the, like the closest thing to secular music that I would ever hear at church was that uh, Southern Gospel, which is – <laughs> really funny um so southern gospel is what they play so i got my man over there on the keyboard dun, 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 and then big dan on the drums and he's just hammering him and i remember his cymbals on his drums were like warped and bent and he man and then those guys were just real and raw and they invested in us and they were cool and i thought they were the i mean it's just awesome and very much made an impression on me and eventually led to me coming to faith in jesus and so Fast forward, um, get to college, play a couple years of college basketball, awesome experience, but then an opportunity comes up and that I walk away from sports to take a job for a company called Liberty Expeditions. And Liberty Expeditions ran whitewater trips in West Virginia on the New and Golly Rivers. They ran climbing trips. They had a horse packing program. And Matt Jones and I, Muggs and I worked, uh, Muggs is uh, what we call Matt Jones. He's the, um, he's the chief of operations at Snowbird now and has been a board member at Snowbird for years. But he and I went to work for this guy, and we led, like, horse trips and, and taught people, like, horsemanship, how to how to saddle and ride and stuff like that. It was like a dude ranch kind of thing. Um, connected to a college. It was connected to 
the uh, Liberty and Liberty University, and it was like for kids could take this credit class called Horsemanship 101. And we work in this program in this camp. This all went on at this camp, and it was a small camp. But during the year, they would lease out to the college, and we were employees of the camp. And the college would send students there to do like different people in their recreation program. They had like an outdoor recreation program. So they'd learn how to do ropes and climbing stuff and paddling stuff and horsemanship and pretty cool. So I don't know if that makes sense, but basically, basically I went to work for Liberty Expeditions and they did recreation next level. I mean, we're paddling the new and golly rivers in West Virginia. And if you come to SWO, we'll run the Nantahala, but we'll also go run the Okoe, which is a lot of fun. But you have not been on whitewater North America till you've screamed down the golly river. It's nuts. It is absolutely insane. It's so fun. And so they did uh, recreation next level. I mean, it was top notch. But the closest thing to like Bible study was we'd get around at night and, um, and have like a campfire at the end of a day and somebody would share a little devotion. And so it was good. I mean, share from the Bible, but there was no real emphasis on the teaching of the word of God and discipleship. So the first camp I went to, those guys were super relational. I don't remember anything about the spiritual aspect. I mean, they'd have a, like a local preacher come in and preach every night. And that was, but I, I don't remember there being a strong emphasis on exposition of scripture or, or like discipleship. And then but there was just like this real intentional personal investment in us, in us kids by these dudes and, uh, and these ladies. And I thought, man, that's cool that they take interest in us. And then Liberty Expeditions had next level recreation. So then right after Little and I got married, I took a job at a place called the Masters Inn, TMI, Masters Inn Ministries. And it's just south of Lynchburg, Virginia. And that was a real cool, a little bit more traditional camp, but Masters Inn, what they did well there is they taught the Bible really well. There's a guy named Mark Brown who's a pastor, I think, in Redlands, California, last time I talked to him now, and he was the camp pastor, and uh, and he did a, a phenomenal job of teaching the Word of God. And uh, and then there was a guy named Chris Rodenheiser, and Chris Rodenheiser and his brother Jason Rodenheiser are pastors in northern Virginia now. Jason Rodenheiser brings students to Swope. And so those guys, I, I watched them teach the Bible, and I'd never seen the Bible taught that way. They did a really good job of teaching the Bible, and then they did a really good job of worship, like leading worship. They had a really talented band, and they played worship music, and kids were moved by that. And so, But the recreation was like, okay, it was like, it was pretty good. It was, a, it was like normal camp recreation, but it wasn't as good as Liberty Expeditions. And then the relational component was missing, but I saw the effect of it because – there were six, they would hire about six college kids to be summer staffers for about 150 campers. So the numbers were just too lopsided. And, but I saw how effective, like I remember there was a guy named Darren Russo and another guy named Darren, uh, Darren Russo and another guy named, uh, something Rubio. I want to say Darren, but it wasn't Darren. It wasn't Mark. It wasn't Marco. It wasn't the governor. I mean, this congressman guy, um, because the kids would chant Rubio and Russo, Darren Russo and something Rubio was this other guy's name. And, um, and those two dudes were so, man, they were so effective with students. They were real intentional, but it's just not enough of them to go around. And so I saw those three things combined. I was able to see, man, there's like such a need for personal discipleship and relational investment, such a need to teach the word of God effectively and such a need to, um, 
like to do recreation well so kids really have fun with it. And so that camp was undergoing that that camp the Masters Inn was undergoing leadership change and I called my father in law. I called Big Kahuna and I said, Hey man, how's things going at the chicken plant? And he said, Going good. God's good, man, giving us good ministry. And I said, What do you think about getting into camp ministry? He said, Man, I think that'd be awesome. So he came up there and looked at trying to take uh that camp, but he couldn't get the financial backing. So that started a conversation. We started talking about what if we started our own camp? What if we started our own camp? What if we what if we combined our experiences? And so we start this ministry. What if we start a ministry where I bring to the table this background of an understanding of relational impact through the camp platform and you come with the understanding of relational impact through inner city ministry combined with student ministry? You've seen the effectiveness of it. So we understand the relational component of ministry. What if we do that, but then we effectively teach the word of God in an expository manner? And what if we take recreation to the next level? What if we, what if we do phenomenal recreation, deep relational impact, teach the word of God effectively, raw, real, in the trenches with people, living right where they're living, and we develop a ministry that partners with churches so that we're working in partnership with local churches all across the Southeast and Midwest. Man, would that be cool? And the vision was born. Like, it was born. And God took our two backgrounds and merged them into this really cool partnership where I had this camp background. He had this construction and infrastructure. So we come in. Guess what we got to do? We got to develop an infrastructure. We got to come up with a development plan for how we're going to build and grow the physical plant of Snowbird Wilderness Outfitters. Well, that was what Kahuna's background was in. And we got to put together a staff hiring process and a plan for how we want to do ministry. Well, that was what my background was in. We got to do recreation at next level. That's what my background was in. We got to figure out how to handle wastewater on this facility. That's what Kahuna's background was in. And God merged these two things. We got to worship God and we got to partner with churches and together we were able to bring these crazy different and unique experiences into this thing that became the vision realized at Snowbird Wilderness Outfitters and it's just awesome and and Kahuna was so effective at showing me like he exampled for me what it was like to not check your personality at the door but to be you to be real in a lot of ways, he reminded me of that guy, Dan, at that, at that camp I went to as a 17-year-old. As a Real intentional, man. Kids loved him. He's right in the thick of it, right in the middle of it. And he's, he's long since retired. He's out of ministry. Um, still lives here in the area. My kids see him all the time. He comes to ball games. And, and uh, I love him dearly, love him to death, um, and, and forever indebted to him for his investment in Snowbird Wilderness Outfitters and, and his imprint footprint on the early days of this ministry you never know what god's preparing you for i remember kahuna saying man i'm sitting down there in south georgia at this wastewater treatment class thinking what in the world am i doing i was a youth pastor the fastest growing youth group in america you know just a couple years ago and now i'm learning how to (laughs) how to deal with large amounts of poop what in the world god was preparing him because about five years, this is crazy, about five years into our existence, and I'm sorry, about 10 years into our existence, nine to 10 years in, the state stepped in and said, hey, your existing septic system is not sufficient for what you need to do. And Kahuna literally worked with who is now one of our board members, a guy named Butch Pendergrass, who is uh, is the owner of Pendergrass and Holder Plumbing out of Winston-Salem, North Carolina. And they developed a wastewater system that would work 
for the next phase of Snowbird's development. We've since moved on. We outgrew that, but for a decade, that's what that's what got us by. And it's because of the way that the Lord had prepared him for that. It's just, just cool to see how God takes your story, your life, your situations, your circumstances. You never know what he's preparing you for. You just never know. Uh, and, 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 and I'm so thankful for God's uh, guidance and sovereignty in weaving together those stories and bringing us here um, to do this. And the cool thing is um, – you know, for Little and I, it was every step of it was a teamwork. It was a husband, wife, team, pair, partnership. You know, it's just awesome because um, when I was working at Liberty Expeditions, we were dating and engaged during that time, and she she was right in the thick of it. And then our first three, four years of marriage was we were working at the Masters Inn, and we were doing it together as a partnership. And then we started Snowbird together, and it's been this incredible journey that we've been we've been able to go on, and it's just awesome. And um. So anyway, hope that's an encouraging and uplifting story where you don't know what God's got you in the middle of today. You might, you, you might be like, what in the world is God doing with me right now? And you might not know, and it might be a long time before you do know, but God will show you. He'll reveal it to you. Everything in your life serves a purpose and is working towards God's end for you. And he has, uh, he has plans that are a lot of times higher than our imagination. And I'm so thankful for that. Snowbird Wilderness Outfitters is a reality of that truth. And, um, Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for caring about the ministry here. And thanks for being a faithful listener to No Sanity Required. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to No Sanity Required. Please take a moment to subscribe and leave a rating. It really helps. Visit us at SWOutfitters.com to see all of our programming and resources. And we'll see you next week on No Sanity Required.